some pretty amazing songs this morning. I thank Nick Thompson for leading us and leading uh, our, our worship team for the songs perfectly fitting for this morning. Uh, we've been in this series, um, the Book of Psalms, and our tagline is different seasons, different reasons to worship God. And I don't know if you've already gone through some of these seasons, even in the last four to five weeks we've been in this series. Maybe y'all have already gone through many seasons and experienced this idea, this concept that there really are different seasons and different reasons to worship God. It's not just a tagline that we came up with, but there are truly always a reason. There's always a reason to worship God in every season. Amen? That is the truth. If you're new this morning, my name is Pastor Arthur, and I'm glad that you chose to uh, study with us this morning, chose to hang out with us this morning. Uh, I want to welcome you to the best church family in the world, Avalon Church. This is the most caring and loving and most dysfunctional church you'll ever come to. And I say that because, oh, the sin, oh, the bliss, right? Amen, Pastor Jim. Thank you for leading us in that prayer, too. That was, that was so special. I'm so glad he did that. But I'm just so glad you came um, this morning if you're new here. And we, it really, we believe here that we're better together, truly, that we, are, we do, that God intended us to be in community and that we're truly better together. We have uh, Ira Gar, our life group director. He does an incredible job in linking us together so we can do life and learn about God in this journey of faith. So if you haven't stopped by the Guest Connect table and you're new, please do that. We'll love to get to know you if you have your prayer cards and you haven't turned them in. You can turn them in there in the lobby or even in the prayer room, but let us know. And we want these prayer cards so we can pray with you, right? So we can join with you in this journey of faith. It's not, you know, they're not going unheard. They're not going unseen, but people are praying for you. So please, please let us come alongside um, of you and, and, and pray for you and do this and walk this journey of faith with you. So last weekend, um, we, were, we had our back to school bash and we had over three to 400 students in here or nearly a little over 300 students here worshiping the king of kings. It was an incredible, incredible night. I know we talked about it last Sunday, but I still, I'm still can't believe all that God uh, did last weekend. We have, we had five students who decided to follow Jesus. We had over 10 students that, that said, you know what, I haven't been living for Christ and I know the cost of following Christ and I want to follow him. And it was just an incredible night. God did that. And here's what I saw that night though. Here's what I saw from some of our students. I saw a lot of fear and anticipation for what God is going to do this year. I saw that in their face. And so they, they are in need of God. But much like them, I realize, I'm like, we're not too different as adults than some of our students. I, my two kids started school this, this week at Orlando Christian Prep. And, you know, I think I was more fearful than they were. And I, was, I, I had this anticipation, uh, Jess and I, of what God is going to do this school year. And so uh, much like our students, we have started this year with a little bit of fear, with a little bit of God. What are you, what, what you going to do this year? And here's what I realized in this season of life that Jessica and I are in. That in this season of life, the Lord, I realize, doesn't do things in our time. He does it in his time. And let me, let me say that again. That in this season, what I'm realizing is that the Lord doesn't do in our time. He does in his time. And so we've been in this series, the, the book of Psalms. We've, we've been reading through the Psalms and we've seen many different seasons, seasons of suffering and seasons of rejoicing, seasons of defeat and seasons of triumph. But what I found in the Psalm we're reading today, Psalm 25, is that like many of the Psalms, there are a lot of seasons of simply waiting on God. 
Not necessarily good seasons or maybe even bad seasons. Just seasons on waiting on the Lord. And I'll tell you this, for a culture, uh, this idea of waiting has become something of the past. We are saturated with a fast culture. We want everything here, now, at, at our fingertips. Fast food, fast information, fast results, and fast pleasures. That we've lost the beauty of simply waiting. We would rather, maybe you're like me on this one, but we would rather, and I, I'm guilty, I'm, I'm talking about myself here, sometimes I would rather go to McDonald's when I'm with my kids rather than going to the supermarket, getting something fresh and cooking something to eat. Not because it costs more, but simply because I want it here and now, and I want my kids to be happy. Okay, all right, calm down. We'll take you to McDonald's. It'll be quick and easy, right? I'm guilty. Nobody wants to say amen to that. Everybody's like... That was me. I do that all the time, right? Not, like none of us would say, oh, we love McDonald's, right? But the truth of it is, is we're saturated with this fast culture. We just fast pleasures, fast results, and, 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 we, and we compromise this beauty of just waiting on the Lord. But here's the deal. That might be funny, but this worldview has collapsed our biblical worldview and our understanding of this beautiful thing called waiting, waiting on God. We have a God this morning, I don't know if you know this, that operates outside of the realm of time. He's God, the creator of the universe. His thoughts, not our thoughts, his ways, not our ways, his timing, not our timing. And time and time again in the Psalms and throughout Scripture, God has simply asked us or commanded us or saying, this is what's best for you, my son, my daughter, simply wait on me, wait on me. Despite what the world is telling you, despite what your circumstances are telling you, Jesus says, wait on me. But because of our lack of self-control, because of our sin, because of our lack of waiting on the Holy Spirit, we've made some pretty bad mistakes. We've gone through doors we shouldn't have gone through. We've hurt people we shouldn't have hurt. We've messed up processes and organizations. We've burned bridges. And even in our pursuit of making Jesus known, we've suppressed the light of Christ because we couldn't simply wait on him to do the work. So today, Psalms 25 is going to give us an understanding and direction of what to do and how our countenance ought to be in this season of waiting. There's going to be four things that we're going to learn this morning. One is to trust God in the waiting. And you can put that up there. Second, what is the result of not trusting in God and the waiting? We're going to see some of the results, the consequences. Three, find friendship in Christ in the waiting. And then lastly, await his promises in the waiting. And so if you have your phone uh, this morning, you can turn to our YouVersion Bible app under More and Events. It's basically a virtual bulletin if you use the Bible app YouVersion. Um, I would just go to that, More and Events. You can follow along with us this morning. But also this morning, you have a fill-in-the-blank for the fill-in-the-blank people out there, right? So if you, if, I just want to, th this Sunday morning, by the way, uh, is not a, just about consuming, right? But it's about participating and learning about God, right? I'm not perfect, so we can do this together. We can learn together. We can grow together. So if you have the fill-in-the-blanks, please follow along with me. But don't let it be a distraction for what God is telling you, amen? And if you have your Bibles with you, your physical Bibles, these beautiful things here, and you can open up to Psalms 25, but before we read that together, let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father God, we wait on you. (laughs) We wait with anticipation for what you're going to teach us this morning, God. God, help me to decrease so you can increase, Father God. Teach us, Lord. Teach us about this beautiful thing called waiting. God, teach us to wait on you, God. You are a good and upright God. Lord, we're just asking you to lead us in your truth. Teach us your paths and your ways this morning, God. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to read Psalms 25. We're just going to read verses 1 through 10 together. Once we get it up there, you can cancel that background um, and we can get it in there. There we go. All right, let's read it together, starting at verse 1. Oh, oh, we won't put old David. But to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Thou shalt be ashamed who are want only treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. That's the word of the Lord. Y'all can have a seat. These ten verses tell us a whole lot about what it means to wait upon the Lord. But the highlight of this verse, the foundation of this verse that the pillars of the rest of these verses are going to be built on starts with the very first two verses. And this idea is our first point, that we must trust God in the waiting. You see, this psalm is again written by King David, and just like many other men in the Bible, not just David, they understood what it meant to wait upon the Lord. Even Jesus himself understood what it meant to wait upon God the Father, to, to lean into him and to trust him in seasons of waiting. So King David starts out this verse by saying this. Here, you can put up the verse. To you, O Lord... I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, and you I trust. That's the foundation of, these, of, of all of the rest of the verses that will come afterwards. He says, God, to you, I'm going to lift up my soul, not just my physical circumstances. God, to you, I'm going to give my soul. And in you, my God, I love when King David starts talking about his God. That was his God. He says, oh, my God, and you I trust. It's very, very important. I know there are many people in here this morning. I know there are many, many people in here this morning that have deep-rooted issues with trust. And maybe someone has hurt you or maybe you've gone through something traumatic and, and it, it's, just, it's just wrecked this idea of trusting in people. 
But this morning, I want to let you know that there is no other God besides our God who we can trust in, who is perfect in all of his ways, who is not like man, sinful and falls short. God is holy. God is sovereign. God is perfect. That's why King David starts out and he says, to you... I lift my soul. You hold my soul in your hands. And in you, Father God, I trust. Maybe this morning, this lack of trust has carried over into your relationship with Jesus. And so many of us have, have, have entered into a relationship with Christ. And we think maybe if we're, we enter into this relationship with Christ and we start to follow Christ, maybe that distrust will go away. Only to realize that it doesn't, right? And you're like, why is this carrying over? But I want you to know that our God is perfect. That our God can be trusted. That our God is faithful. Our God never breaks a promise. David, with full assurance, could say, oh my God, in you I trust. The truth is this morning that the hardest part of trust in the season of waiting... (laughs) It's not the process in which God does things, although that is hard to trust sometimes. And you can testify amen to that, right? It's hard to trust God in the process. But the hardest thing to trust in the waiting, to trust God in the waiting, is the people that God has surrounded you with. See, the process can be hard, but the hardest part of trusting in God in the season of waiting is trusting the people that God has surrounded you with in this season. As the psalmist goes on in verses 2 and 3, here's what he says. Let's let's, uh, allude to this thought here. He says, let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me, right? Not the problem, my enemies. Indeed, he says, what an amazing promise. No one who waits for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are want only treacherous. He's relating to people because the hardest thing to trust God with in the waiting is the people that he has surrounded you with. You may be prone to think of waiting first in relation to things, whether it's food service or internet connection speed or the process at your job or in ministry. You're like, man, this is really hard. But behind all of those things are people. We live in a personal universe created by a personal God. In our daily circumstance, even when they feel isolated from everyone else, are inevitably formed and shaped by other people. If we are to be increasingly patient people, we need to wait on the Lord. It will have to relate to actual people this morning, church. When the Apostle Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of a calling in Christ, he fleshes it out all exclusively other-oriented terms. He says, let me get more specific. This is related to people, to trust God in the waiting in relation to people. He says, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. You see, Paul is getting specific. He's saying waiting on the Lord is in relation to people. Similarly, we're called, he says, to cultivate compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And he says, if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. Pastor Jim talked about this last week. So good. That's out of Colossians 3, 12 through 13. It says, patience bears with other people. 
And this is really hard for us because in the season of waiting, I think we can get through this idea of trusting God and whatever the process may be, even if we don't agree with it. But it gets harder when it comes to the people that he has surrounded you with. You see, we are as Christians supposed to be eager to maintain this spirit of unity. And we need to maintain this spirit of being patient and waiting on the Lord and waiting on the Lord in relation to people. And so maybe people don't share your cadences. Maybe people don't share your practices. Maybe people don't share your priorities. Maybe people don't share your sense of timing. But this morning God says, I put those people around you for a reason. Whether it's your enemies whether it's someone that God is asking you to to shine the light of Christ to, the hardest thing in the season of waiting is to trust in God and the people that he has surrounded you with. Anytime we talk about waiting, it's got to be in relation to people. But you see, King David, he gives us this amazing truth when he says, let me not be put to shame. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. The psalmist is reminding us to wait on the Lord. What he's saying is that God reinforces his power when you wait on him and when you trust in him and the people he surrounded you with. And then he leaves you with a promise. He says, we will not be put to shame if we simply wait. Let me say that again. We will not be put to shame, church family, if we simply wait on God. The world is telling us and everything around us that if you're not compatible with these people, you need to go find somewhere else to be compatible. And we've lost this beauty on waiting on God. And you know why God does this? Because God uses seasons of waiting to grow you and to mature you in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul was saying, walk in a manner worthy of your calling with humility and gentleness. We got to learn these things. But how else are we supposed to learn these things if we just leave when somebody doesn't share our cadence? Or when someone doesn't share our practices or our priorities? You see, this morning, church, God is using seasons of waiting to grow you and mature you in Christ Jesus So if you want to grow and if you want to learn the ways and the paths of God, it starts here. Trust God in the waiting. There's no cheat code or shortcut of getting out of waiting. You can't get out of it. There's no cheat code or or shortcut for getting out of waiting. So if you want a cheap understanding of, of, of faith, if you want a cheap understanding of the Lord this morning, then go ahead and try it yourself. Go ahead and leave the situation that you're in. But here's the deal. If you want to know the depths and the riches of God's mysteries in Christ, I'm here to tell you, church, that we must trust in the Lord, in the waiting. If you want to grow and mature in Christ Jesus, there is no shortcut of getting out of this thing called waiting. The fact of the matter is, is that we grow most when we trust most. We grow and mature most in Christ when we trust God more and more, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you're looking at your circumstance and you're like, God, how and why? But when we, when we trust in God in this season of waiting, and maybe you're in this season, I'm going to ask you to just trust God in this waiting season. 
He goes on, the psalmist, in verse 4 and 5, and he says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. You see, the psalmist is alluding to this point that we grow most when we trust most. So if you want to know the ways of God, if you want him to teach you his paths, if you want him to lead you in his truth, then first you have to acknowledge that he's the God of your salvation. Trust in who he is. But then also you got to wait for him. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you wait for God all the day long like King David did? We all struggle with this. We all fall short. But is your heart longing to wait on what God will do? Or do you operate your life on your time and on your schedule and on your knowledge and on your wisdom? Do you wait for God all the day long? God, move. God, help me to minister. God, teach me your ways. Lead me in your truth. How you answer this question can drastically change your view in this season that you're in, if you're in the season of waiting. What the psalmist is telling us here is that we must seek God diligently. How do we do that? We seek him in his word. His very words are in the scriptures. How else do we seek him? We seek him on our knees in prayer, asking God for guidance and direction. But we first must acknowledge who he is, and then we have to wait for him. Because he and he alone, church family, provides all provision and direction and wisdom. He is a good God. And maybe this morning you're in that tough season. You're in this season. You're in the waiting. And it's really hard for you. And you're worried about the outcome. You're worried about how this whole thing is going to play out in your season. I want to remind you, I'm talking to you this morning. For, the, for those who are in seasons of waiting, we have a God of mercy. A God of steadfast love. A God who is not holding the situation above your head, but a God who is quick to hold you and carry you by his grace. By his wisdom, by his provision, and by his direction. Good and upright is the Lord, the psalmist says. We can go to verses 8 through 10. Psalmist confirms this idea of who God is. And we have to come to this point before we can truly have an understanding of what it means to trust God in the waiting. We have to acknowledge this verse right here. Good and upright is the Lord. Good in everything. Upright in everything. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble. Let me translate that. He leads those who wait on him in what is right. And he teaches the humble. Those who wait on his direction, he teaches them his way. And then he confirms this again. All the paths of the Lord, everything he does, are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his words, trust in him, trust in his word, trust in his direction, trust in who he is, and trust in his testimonies, all of his faithfulness and everything that he has done. We must trust God in the waiting. We can trust this God because he is a good and upright Lord. If you believe that this morning, I want you to say amen if you believe that this morning. Amen. amen. Good and upright is he. He is faithful. 
But I know that most of us in here are like, Arthur, that, that's good, that's hard. Um, I'm going to try to do things my way because I just don't, I'm, I have a hard time with waiting, I have a hard time with trust. So what are the results of not trusting in God and the waiting? Hmm. Here's the big idea. I think we can get this. I think we can wrap our head around this. What is the result of not trusting God in the waiting? When we don't trust in the Lord, y'all got to get this. When we don't trust in the Lord, we don't experience God's best for us. Y'all need to write that down. You need to highlight it. You need to reference it. When we don't trust in the Lord, we do not experience God's best for us. Simply put, when we don't trust in God... We live beneath our privilege as Christians. We don't experience God's best for us. His ways, not our ways. His thoughts, not our thoughts. His timing, not our timing. Good and upright is the Lord. So when we don't trust in God, we don't experience God's best for us in our lives. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you have had a situation, and maybe you can, uh, you can kind of testify to this. Maybe you've had a situation, this is an example I've, I've gone through way too many times, where somebody didn't treat you right, somebody said something, it was a boss, a colleague, your wife, whatever it may be, right? And, and they get you riled up, they said something hurtful, and, and you kind of you start to meditate on it, start to think, and you're like, should I wait on God, or should I just go tell her off? Should I wait on God, or should I just go tell him what he did? And, and, and then, yeah, so deal with it. Right, And so most of us, instead of waiting on God, we barge into the room and we open the door only to find out that the person goes, hold on a second. Hey, I got I to tell you something. And you're like, uh-oh. They're like, forgive me for what I did. I'm sorry I treated you this way. I'm sorry I said, how do you feel when that happens? Right? Has anybody been in that situation? Nobody wants hands want to go up. But uh, listen, I testify Amen. I could have just waited on God, but instead I wanted, to, I wanted to tell him how it was. I wanted to let him know everything he did wrong. I don't do that with my wife, right, babe? Yep. Okay, good. Yes, I have done that. Um, that was. And then only to realize, yeah, you, I have a face. I put a face up. That's our face usually when that happens. <laughs> right? Well, let's keep that up. That's the face. It's, it's the face of shame. It's the face of guilt. It's the face of not waiting on God. And you're like, ah, oh, Arthur talked about it last week. Why am I doing this Monday? Right? We've all been there. You can take that off. It's sort of distracting now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we've all been there. And, and, and maybe you're like me. And I, I, I talk about this during staff meetings and, and, and around here. If you, if you hang around here long enough, I, I tend to be overzealous. I tend to be overzealous for God and, and, and in my excitement and in me being zealous for God. And, and sometimes I don't wait on the Lord. I'm guilty. Sometimes I'm like Peter. I cut someone's ear off just to protect Jesus. And Jesus said, I didn't ask you to do that. I asked you to wait on me. You know, we're like for the overzealous people in the room, like we're fired up. But sometimes God is telling us to simply wait on God. Let's, let's actually look at that verse when, when, when Peter cut the Roman soldier's ear off. Let's look at this verse. Okay, man, that's a... <laughs> hey, Peter's playing a joke on me back there. <laughs> so here's what, here's what Jesus said after Peter cut this Roman soldier's ear off. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into his place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. But then he says this part. This is what I want us to focus on. He says, do you? Do you think that I, I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? Arthur, wait on me. 
church family, my brother and my sister, wait on the Lord. He goes on, he said, but how would the scriptures be fulfilled that, that say it must happen this way? And then he goes on and he tells the Roman soldiers and he had the disciples sitting around and he says, guys, I didn't start a rebellion here. He says, I was sitting at the temple and you guys could have came and got me. And he said that in, in, just to show them that he's sovereign, just to show them that he has all of these things working out in his time. And he says, but this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. You see, what he told the disciples and what he's telling us this morning, Jesus is saying, I'm working everything out, even when it seems like I'm not working anything out. That's what he's telling us this morning. He, he, he is saying, I got this. He is saying, I'm working in your situation. And it's funny to me that, that when the disciples actually finally got that God is in full control, what do they do? They left him and they fled. They're like, Jesus got this. I'm out of here. Okay, cool. Right? Right? He's got it. He's got it in control. So Jesus is reminding us that in the waiting, this is so good, that in the waiting, he is still writing our story. And that he will see it through to completion this morning, church. Even when it doesn't seem like he's working, Jesus is reminding us that in the waiting, he is still writing our story. And that he's going to see it through to completion. And I believe when we fully understand the concept of waiting, we do what the disciples did. Here's what we do. We run as fast as we can. Not to go do something, but to, on our knees to wait on God. When we get it, when we finally get it, we run as fast as we can and we get on our knees and we open up the scripture and we wait on God. But we do this because we finally understand the one that we're waiting on. The one who is perfect. The one who is sovereign. The one who holds all power in his hands and the one that is in full control. But the result of not doing this, maybe being overzealous or maybe simply being impatient, can cause us much pain and grief in one's life. And not only that, but it causes, the more we are impatient and the more we don't wait on the Lord, it causes more and more distrust in God and we become more and more disconnected from God. I have an example out of Genesis 25 as I was reading this week and preparing for this message of Jacob and Esau. Some of you guys might know this story. Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah and the first twins mentioned in the Bible. They even said that in their mother's womb they were fighting, right? Anybody have kids who were fighting in the mother's womb, right? And they came out, brother and sister, right? Always against each other. Well, these were these guys, Jacob and Esau. J Jacob was known as a, mother, uh, as a mama's boy. And, uh, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, right? He was, he was kind of the daddy's boy. But I'm going to tell you the story because it relates to this idea of the re a result of not trusting in the waiting. One day Esau returned from hunting. And he desired to eat some food. He was hungry, right? He, he wanted some soup that, by the way, the scripture said Jacob was cooking, right? He learned everything from his mama, right? So he was cooking. Jacob was cooking. And Jacob offered to give his brother, knowing his situation. We're not going to talk about Jacob. That's a whole other sermon series. But we're going to talk about Esau. Jacob offered to give his brother some stew in exchange for his birthright. Duh. Why would somebody do that, right? See, Esau had the special honor as he, as he possesses the older son that gave him the right to a double portion of his father's inheritance, right? A double portion because he was the older son. See, to us, we kind of laugh at that. Like, why would he trade in his birthright, his double portion birthright, for some food? 
And I'm going to tell you why. It's because Esau put his temporary physical needs over his God-given blessing. And he sold his birthright. And here's what happened. So he sold it off. He, he got hungry. He was like, oh, I'm so hungry. I just, I can't just wait. I'm just, I, I got to get this. I'll even sell my birthright for some food, a plate of soup. That soup better have been good, right? Red, like, if it wasn't, shame on him. But he gave it up, sold his birthright. And when the time came, when the time came for Isaac to bless, Jacob and his mom started, started to deceive this plan to try to, 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 to try to deceive Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing, and they did that. And here's what I found interesting. After Isaac blessed Jacob, Esau was upset, and he threatened to kill his brother. Esau, you gave up your birthright, right? He did that. And then we came to find out that the descendants of, of uh, Esau were the Edomites, and the Edomites later on plagued Israel, and God judged Israel. Okay, that's the whole story. Now, Arthur, why are you talking about Esau? Why are you bringing this up? Because there's three results that we can learn of not trusting in God from this story in the waiting. Let's put these up. The very first thing is that you sell yourself short. Here's what that means. You focus on the short term and take your eyes off of the long term. That's what we do in seasons of waiting. Much like Esau, he came and he saw that food. And in the short term, that looked really good. And the long term, we completely forgot that he's the one that had the double portion inheritance. Or maybe he didn't forget. Maybe he was simply that naive to focus on the short term rather than seeing what God had for him in the long term. How many of us have done that in the season of waiting? We focus on the short term rather than long term. Let's look at the second thing that Esau did. Sometimes we put our physical desires over our spiritual blessings. Here's what that means in 2017. You trade in your double portion inheritance that God has for you for a momentary gain. You trade in uh, everything that God has planned for you. God says, I want to grow you and mature you in the season of waiting. And rather than waiting on God, you give yourself over to your physical desires. You're like, I need that right now. As if God won't provide for you. As what God won't take care of you this morning. You put your physical desires over your spiritual blessings. And then last but not least, you bring yourself to your own destruction. And here's the thing that hurts me the most as a pastor. Is when I hear, why did God do this? God didn't do that. You decided to walk before God. And then you have the audacity to blame God. Because you put your physical desires over your spiritual blessings. God says, wait on me. And if you find yourself this morning in a place where you're like all tied up and you know that you've walked before God, God can redeem your situation. But the first thing you're going to have to do is draw close to God. You see, Esau tells us in the story, he teaches us through the story to hold fast to what is truly important, and to wait on God, even if it means denying the appetites of the flesh. And that can be really hard in seasons of waiting because there's a physical need, there's something that you need, and you're looking at it, and you're like, God, when are you going to provide for this? Anybody there? Anybody have been there? God is saying, I have a double portion inheritance for you, my brother, my sister, but you got to wait on me.
He's asking you to hold fast to what is truly important and wait on God, my brother and my sister. Deny those appetites of the flesh and inherit the double portion blessing that God has for you if you just simply wait on him. Now that we know that we must trust God in the waiting, that we must trust the, God, the people that God has surrounded us with, that when we talk about trusting in God and waiting, it always relates to people. Now that we know the results of not trusting God in the waiting, the third thing is that we must find friendship with Christ and Christ alone in the waiting. The psalmist in, in verses 14 and 15 says this, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. He makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Here's what that means. In the waiting, church family, we must seek to draw closer to Jesus above everything. We must, we must, in this waiting period, in this season of waiting, we must seek to find friendship with Christ above everything. What does friendship look like? What does it mean to fear God? That means you want to please him. That means you want to honor him. That means that you submit to his authority, which is the word of God. This is our authority. This should govern our life. So if we fear him, we find friendship with him. And here's what he tells us. He says, if you wait on me, I will pluck your feet out of that net. In your deepest period of waiting this morning, I'm asking you, church, I'm urging you, church, to fix your eyes toward the Lord. For he and he alone this morning can get you through this season. He and he alone can pluck your feet from that net that you are in this morning in the season of waiting. Here's what the message says. If I keep my eyes on God, I won't trip over my own feet. <laughs> So often we try to find friendship with the world. We get impatient. So we start to do, uh, we start to uh, listen to counsel that is outside of uh, the counsel of the wicked, the counsel outside of, of, of his people, uh, the, uh, the chosen generation, Christians. And we start to do uh, things that the world does. We start to hear uh, uh, things that the world is telling us and we become impatient and then we, we find ourselves tripped up. You want to know why? Because we took our eyes off of God. Because we found friendship with the world rather than finding friendship with Christ. Here's what James 4 says to this point right here. He gets a little more detailed in finding friendship with Christ over the world. Here's what he says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you, church? Is it not this? That your passions are at war with you, right? The passions are at war with you. Even in the season of waiting, you can sense these passions at war. He says, you desire and you do not have. You become impatient. So what do you do? You murder. You covet and you cannot obtain. You get impatient. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You're, you're not coming to find friendship with me. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You're asking in, in patience. You're not saying, God, let your will be done. You're saying, God, this is how it should be done. And then he says, he says this, he says, you adulterous people. Or let's translate it to our message. You impatient people. 
Do you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whew, that's scary. Jesus is asking us in this season of waiting, my brother and my sister, find friendship with me. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Don't look at the news or the paper or the magazine. He says, focus on my word and find friendship with me. Because the reality of it is, if you're hearing these outside voices and you're listening to them in the waiting, you're, you're going to trip over your own feet. You're going to get stuck on that net. And then you're going you're gonna to be an enemy of God. Whoa, that's really scary. That's reality. So this morning, find friendship with Christ. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Trust him, honor him, please him, fear him this morning. Find friendship with Christ. I'm urging you, church, because he's the sustainer and the finisher of all things. He is still writing your story, and he will see it through to completion. If you believe that, can I get an amen? amen. And I want to end off with our last point. Await his promises in the waiting. God has promised so much to his children who just wait upon him. We can be here all day talking about all the promises that God gives to us if we just simply wait. Promises of direction, promises of counsel, promises of wisdom, promises of justice. God promises so much. At the end of this Psalm 25, he says, and Ira read it earlier, he says, Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame. You won't be put to shame this morning if you wait. Even though, even though it seems like you're going to be put to shame, you will not be put to shame if you just take refuge in God. He says, my, may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on you. So if you want to hold up your integrity, if you want to hold up your uprightness, I'm going to ask you this morning to wait on God. And then he says, redeem Israel, O God, out of its troubles. As Iris said, we know that Jesus won the victory, and we know that he's coming back, and we know that he is going to redeem us. Come on, yes, let's give the Lord a shout for that. I'm just going to read you a few promises. But right now, I just want you to soak in these promises. No distractions. Just listen to the promises of those who just wait on the Lord. Psalms 27, 13 through 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You want courage? You need strength this morning? Wait on God. Psalms 37, 34. Wait for the Lord. Keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. God will get you through to the other side. If it isn't good, then God isn't done. Psalms 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way or over the man who carries out evil devices. If you're living in fear, he says, you don't have to fear if you just wait on me this morning. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. And in all of your ways, every single area of your life, acknowledge that he is God. And he's going to make this little broken situation straight. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Did you know that? 
And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him. He'll be gracious to you. That's his promise. He will have mercy upon you in your situation. That's his promise. He will carry out justice on your behalf. That's his promise to us. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Good and upright is the Lord. He will be good to you in this situation, even though it seems like it doesn't make sense. Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for, God, for the God of my salvation, and my God will hear me. Maybe you feel like your prayers are falling on deaf ears, but the promise is, is that he hears you. He hears you, and he sees you. That's the promise. Isaiah 40, 31, but they who wait for the Lord, y'all know this one, shall renew their strength this morning. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run this morning if you wait and not grow weary. They shall walk this morning if you wait on God and you won't grow faint. Maybe you're tired, but it's maybe because you've been operating in your own efforts. And you're not waiting on God, but if you wait on him, he's going to give you the strength. He'll give you the strength enough to run and to mount up on wings like eagles. To have you to walk and not faint this morning. And then I want to leave you with this verse, Isaiah 64.4. This is an amazing, amazing promise to us. Y'all ready for this? This is good. It says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you. Oh my gosh, this is good. Who acts for those who wait for him. Let me say this again. There is no other God like this God. No one. No other God like this guy. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. A God who acts on behalf of those who don't just do things on their own effort, but he acts on behalf of those who wait upon the Lord. God, I wait upon you. God, I wait upon you. So today, you might be in a season of waiting. My brother and my sister, you might be there. You might be there. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Maybe God wants you to wait just a little while longer. Maybe just a little bit longer. Hold on. Hold on to him. Hold on to him because he's fulfilling his promises in your life. Hold on a little while longer. If you feel like I just can't, Arthur, you don't understand. I'm going to ask you, hold on just a little while longer. Because he's going to fulfill his promises in your life. Let's stand together, and I want to leave us with this first description. I'm going to read it out to you. Psalms 33, 16 through 22. If you're in a season of waiting, and maybe you're not, but everyone will eventually go through a season of just having to wait on God's provision and in God's direction and in God's wisdom. This verse right here needs to be your mantra. This verse right here needs to be the battle cry every single morning in the season of waiting. I'm going to read it out to you. It says, the king is not saved by his great army. Nope. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope in his steadfast love. 
that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive, even in this season of waiting, in this season of famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we can trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Come on, church. Even as we hope in you. This week, if you feel prepared for the battle, if, if you feel primed for this battle, if you feel capable to go into this week, maybe you feel like everything is hanging on your shoulders. You ready for this? If you feel that way, you feel ready, you feel capable, you feel primed for battle, you feel like everything is on you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Go home, be quiet, get on your knees, and wait on the Lord. Because <laughs> he's going to act on your behalf what God can accomplish in and through you while you're on your knees will be more than you could ever do in a lifetime. And by the way, I'm not in this season of waiting. Will you trust him? Will you lean on him? Will you seek his word? And will you get on your knees in prayer and say, God, I need you to act on my behalf. I'm waiting for you. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we wait on you. Good and upright is the Lord. Steadfast love and faithfulness is in his name. There is no God beside you, O Lord. No ear has seen, no ear has heard, and no eye has seen. A God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait on you, O oh Lord. And God, I pray for those who are in seasons of waiting and they feel like giving up, Lord. Would you let them know, God, that if it, if it ain't good right now, then you ain't done. That, God, you are writing their story even if it doesn't feel like it. That, God, you will see it through to completion even if it doesn't make sense. God, you want to grow us and you want to mature us in Christ Jesus. God, would we allow you as your people? Will we allow you to do what only you can do supernaturally? And will we decrease so you can increase? Will we be quiet instead of move and do things? Help us, this church, your people, to wait on you, oh God. And if there is someone who is in here who doesn't know you as Savior, God, and who has been doing things on their own effort, on their own strength, and you're tired, you're done, God, I'm going to ask that person to come up to the front. I'm going to be sitting there with my wife. God, and we're going to be standing waiting because, God, only you can act on behalf of those who wait on you. And so, God, I pray for that person to come up and be bold because this decision is the biggest decision of their life. Because, God, I've been there. I've done it. I've tried. I try to do things in my own effort, in my own power, God, and I know that I can't do that. God, I just pray over that person, God, that they would be bold enough to say, today, 
I will place my faith in this Savior, and I will wait on him to act on my behalf. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We give you all the glory, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.